Hello, mamacitas. Welcome back to another episode of Tere Tells All. And I'm so happy that you guys are here today. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had a new episode, but no worries. I told you this podcast is not going to end. We're just going to, you know, have a little bit longer in between episodes, but that's okay. Um, you guys, the love and the feedback from my last episode was just so supportive. So thank you so much for one, listening, but two, like understanding where I was coming from and why I needed to restructure the podcast and just my life in general. Um, so I'm very appreciative and I'm glad that you guys understood and that you're still here, that you're still sticking around, that you're still listening. And I promise to bring you great content, great episodes. In fact, I have like five guests that are already um, confirmed and scheduled to record with me in the coming weeks and months. And so We've got a lot of great stuff coming up and certain people that you guys have been requesting are finally going to make it happen. So um, yeah, I'm glad you're here today and today's episode is no different. We have a fantastic guest um, and a great topic of conversation that I'm so excited for you guys to hear more about and I'm hoping that you find it insightful and that you're able to apply some of the things that we discussed today into your own personal lives. I know that my platform revolves um, a lot around fitness and exercise and sometimes, you know, we still dabble into weight loss things here and there just because of my background, but my overall passion is just for overall wellness, overall fitness, right? And I've talked to you guys many a times about, you know, your mental health and your mental fitness playing a big part of your physical wellness and your physical well-being and one other topic or one other aspect of that I think is you know our our sex lives and uh, reproductive health and all of those things and especially of um, as women you know sometimes talking about these kinds of topics can be taboo or they can be they have a stigma associated with them and I want to do my part to destigmatize these things and my guest today you know she is the perfect person that I figured could come on and she could help me break some of these things down in an educational way and not make it feel so like I hate to say this word but like it doesn't feel dirty because we're learning and honestly it's not dirty we're we're all human beings where sex is part of our lives and we all have you know working parts for sex and so um I'm excited that you're here and that you're here to listen to this episode so my babies without further ado let's get into it all right guys today's guest has over 600,000 followers and 3.7 million likes on tiktok she's a certified intimacy coach and sex educator Madeline Craig. Welcome to the show, Madeline. Thank you so much. I forget how many followers I have. So that's so funny that you said it. I'm like, oh, fuck, I do. Oh, I do. You're right. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually found you on Instagram first. Um, you showed up on like one of my reels, you popped up and then I went to your page. Um, and then, you know, I always have to click on people's bio or the links in people's bios to like find out more about them. And then it took me to your TikTok and I was like, holy shit, this girl's a big deal. Let's talk to her. And then, then I just went down the rabbit hole of watching all of your TikToks. And, um, yeah, no, you are pretty amazing. I love the, the education that you're putting out there. So thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. So let's start with your background, just a little bit of who you are, what you do, um, and just kind of like, you know, what's your passion? Sure. Um, I'm Madeline Gregg. I'm a certified sex educator and intimacy coach. Um, I am certified under the American College of Sexologists International. Um, And I started growing my, I guess, platform at first, um, just on TikTok, and that took off. um, And now... I do private sessions (laughs) and I am um, creating a uh, gender inclusive menstrual cup. So, yeah, I saw that the vampire cup, I think is what you call it. Yeah. The vampire shot glass, um, which actually started because it was like a viral thing that I said, 
Um, and a bunch of people were like, oh my gosh, if I had a <laughs> menstrual cup called a vampire shot glass, I would buy it. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to keep you to that. <laughs> I've never used a menstrual cup. They scare the crap out of me. Like I'm, a, I'm not afraid of putting it up there. It's the pulling it back out that I'm terrified of. Yeah. So there is a learning curve. <laughs> um, and it is like a scene from Carrie, <laughs> um, especially like your first couple months of getting used to it. But I mean, I've been using one for like seven years now. Um, and there, I mean, I paid $35 for mine and that was like how much tampons and pads I usually bought. And now like, I don't, I don't buy that stuff anymore. And it's nice mm -hmm. to not worry about, um, like if you have enough tampons or if you start early, you're like, oh, shit, I have to go to the pharmacy or whatever. But you just have this cup that you can just yeah. up there. <laughs> so, I, you know, now that you're talking about this, I've never had this question before. But like, you know, when you're towards the end of your period and then your tampon starts to get a little bit dry. And so then you, when you pull it, you know, it's not as fun as like when you have a heavy period. Do you get yeah. the same sensation with the menstrual cup? No, absolutely not. Because your um, vagina has like natural lubrication, obviously, um, which is like cervical and like vaginal fluid. Um, so when you have silicone up there, it just kind of glides out and you get to kind of measure how much you're producing. So you can tell if you actually still need to put it back in or just like wash it and put it away. Yeah. So no, it's none. You don't get those like micro tears that you get from um, pulling down a really dry tampon. Okay. Good to know. And yeah, eventually one day I'll give it a shot and I'll try it out. Um, but I know that it, when I do, like, I'm going to change it at home exclusively at home only until after you said the carry scene, I was like, yeah, that's probably like a thing that I need to work on at home before I start taking it out in public or anything like that. Yeah. Well, you can leave it in there for like nine to 12 hours. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really amazing. And sometimes like you don't even fill it up that much. Um, but yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> You're like, that is awesome. <laughs> I love that for you. <laughs> Luckily, my periods are not so heavy anymore, but mm -hmm. they used to be when I was younger. Um, I have, I'm anemic. So I'm anemic and I'm uh, vitamin D deficient, which is, you know, like a large population of women. Um, so I used to have really, really heavy periods. And the only like birth control, like um, oral birth control didn't help. The only thing that helped was an IUD. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I've had an IUD for several years and that definitely helped, um, I guess, regulate my period, but yeah, the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I will try the cup at one point in my life. I know I will. I like to try new things and that's one of those things that I, it's on my list of, to try. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> I mean, you can use it with an IUD. I have a um, Paragard, which is the copper IUD, which mm -hmm. is like non-hormonal because I am a raging lunatic on <laughs> I seriously am. <laughs> I, I tried the mini pill once and I was like, this is not okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, my problem with, with the oral birth control is that I would forget to take it. And mm -hmm. my body was so sensitive that if I forgot to take it just like one day, I would give myself my period all the oh, time. Yeah. yeah. So now it's like, no, I need to stop doing this. Cause then I'd go, you know, like I'd finally be done with my period and I'd start, you know, the cycle again. And then I'd miss a day after like day eight, and then I'd have a little mini period again. I was like, oh, so frustrating. Yeah, no, that's so true. And um, the effectiveness of birth control, um, the pill birth control, it goes way, way, way down <laughs> if you miss any, or even if you don't take it at the, the same time every day, yeah. um, which I feel like a lot of um, OBs don't don't tell people that <laughs> you, know, like you literally have to take it at lunch every day. If you're going to take it at lunch. <laughs> yeah, no, my OB didn't tell me that, but I worked in a pharmacy during college. And mm. I remember the pharmacist always telling women that um, she was a female pharmacist. So she always told women that, but that was the first time I heard it. Cause my OB didn't tell me that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some juicy stuff. I want to talk um, about two things specifically that I saw on your social media um, that you've mentioned a couple of times. So we've all heard about the G spot, but then you started bringing up a U spot, an A spot, an O spot. And I'm like, oh my God. Okay, where are all these spots? What do these spots do? How do we find these spots? Okay, <laughs> so, so let's I'll, dive start, in. I'll start from the outside going in. <laughs> okay, that works. So you have your C spot, which is your clitoris. 
Okay. A little bit lower than that, you have your U spot, which is called a U spot for one of two reasons. Nobody actually knows. It's either the urethral spot or it is your, um, it's kind of like shaped like a U underneath your clitoris. Okay. So it's in between your um, clitoris and your urethral opening. And it is just an outside spot. It's um, really interesting because that spot's there, or I, I'm a part of the camp that thinks it's there because um, your clitoris is shaped like a wishbone mm -hmm. and there's roots underneath, basically. Um, it's like an iceberg. It's like you only see the tip, but there's so much more underneath. Okay. So all of those nerves that never really get stimulated that much, unless you're using certain types of toys or using your G-spot, it's really interesting. In, interesting stimulating it from the outside um so yeah that's your use spot okay okay yeah and then going inside you have your g-spot which is your urethral sponge um it is there because your urethra is basically right next to your um vaginal opening and vagina um so g-spot everybody knows that one mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you have your a spot which is your anterior fornix, which is all the way up um, your vagina, right next to your cervix on your belly side. Um, it's kind of like tucked away next to your cervix. And if you've had a hysterectomy, you still have one too. And then you have your um, P spot, your O spot. I call it an O spot because most people call the P spot um, the prostate. Um, but you have your O spot, which is your posterior fornix, which is really sim similar to your anterior fornix, but it doesn't release as much lubrication. And that's on the opposite side. Got it. Okay. I was, while you were explaining this, I had to do a mental diagram in my head of <laughs> vagina. Um, do, are you able to orgasm with stimulation to any of these spots or yes. do they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any and all spots can be, you can trigger an orgasm with them. Um, for some people it's harder um, with like the U spot because it's a very, um, it's very, very sensitive, but it takes a while to like get it going. Um, yeah. And then the G spot, people can orgasm from that one. A lot of people have um, issues orgasming from it because when you first start to stimulate it, it can feel like you have to pee, um, which you don't. And that's just why it's called your urethral sponge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then anterior fornix super easy to orgasm from as long as you're fully aroused and you can get to it. And then um, the O spot definitely. And that's reached a lot of the time through anal. Got it. So <laughs> I feel like this is a really quick rundown. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, but you know, we can always come back and re-listen to it. Um, I've always said that for me, I've always felt two different kinds of orgasms, like one when it's through oral sex and then one when it's through vaginal sex. So yes. this kind of makes sense because you're stimulating different spots. So it would feel, it should feel like slightly different type of orgasm. Am I right? Yeah. I always like to say like a clitoral orgasm is like um, an exorcist orgasm when you're like lifted off the bed and your head spinning around and like, you're in this like mode of like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then the, um, orgasms from your g-spot which you can have a clitoral orgasm from your g-spot just fyi um, because it's all connected but most orgasms from your g-spot your a-spot or your o-spot those are more so like a euphoric feeling it's a very slow build it's a warm feel warm tingling mm -hmm. feeling than the like oh my god jesus take me now <laughs> <laughs> yeah no no that's exactly what it feels like one's very like slow and hot and it builds and builds and builds and then the other one is just like bam here you go yeah, exactly <laughs> it's like you're gonna come if you like it or not like, here we go <laughs> yeah well thank you for clarifying um and if you guys want more demonstrations she's got plenty of tiktoks and reels on there because i like that you have the little wishbone shaped thing yeah yeah that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so whenever you talk about it you know you point to different parts of it and it kind of helps that's right. Right now, when you were talking about it, I was trying to picture that. I'm like, okay, in back front. Got it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this is the spot that everybody usually sees. Yes. And then all of this it's underneath. <laughs> right. Right. Um, also, weird toys like this in my office. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
I said I have all sorts of really weird toys like that in my office. <laughs> um, okay, and then the other thing that I've seen you mention a couple of times um, was the difference between buzzy versus rumbly. Do you want to yeah. dive into that? Yeah, so um, buzzy vibrations versus rumbly vibrations with like how your vibrator um, affects you. Um, so buzzy vibrations are a higher frequency. Um, those are usually like your bullet. I don't have any vibrators down here, but <laughs> those are usually like your bullet vibrators, um, your rabbit vibrators, all of those like really overwhelming, including like the Hitachi, even though it could be a rumbly one. Those are all um vibrations that really just affects the tip of your clitoris um and are you're interesting and good because like you can manipulate your clitoris in different ways um so like you could work on the shaft or work below or work underneath like there's they're great <laughs> and then you have your rumbly vibrations which are lower frequency and they affect the whole clitoris not just the tip um and those are great because they're a slower build yet again. There's usually the ones that you see with like a hook um, with like G-spot stimulators. Yes. Um, and you can work on your anterior fornix with that too. Okay. And then you have the sucky vibrations, which I haven't talked yet. <laughs> right, right. Because I, I, I actually, I was going to bring it up. It's on my notes because like yeah. you talk about buzzy, rumbly, buzzy, but now it's these sucky ones that everyone's talking about. <laughs> yeah, the sucky one is really, really interesting. And I really love breaking it down because um, the sucky, like quote unquote vibrations, which are um, either there's two of them and I don't want to get too techy, but one's like a sonic pulse and then one's like an air. Um, thing. Science, super interesting. I've read into all of them and I've like messed with all of them, but yeah. Um, but basically it doesn't even touch your clitoris. It would be like somebody, I mean, it wouldn't really be like somebody giving head because you're still touching the whole penis when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's interesting because it's like a little vacuum on your clitoris and it's not even touching it. But what's what is fascinating and blows my mind is it affects the whole clitoris. It would be like, um, like a deep tissue massage, um, because everything is like so, um, internal and like ingrained in the whole clitoris and not just the tip because it's like really pushing it in and out. I don't have that one. I'm interested in that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Try it out. Um, womanizer has great, great ones. Okay. Um, yeah. And if you're going into like buying, a like sucky vibration um, vibe, then definitely um, do a little bit of research and see like, think about like how big your clitoris is versus like how big the opening is um, because all of them are kind of different in that, in that realm. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was gonna be like the different, when you explain the difference with one's like air and the other one's, you know, whatever you said, um, but it's good to know. And I feel like a lot of people are not really informed about sex toys. I feel like sometimes it's still a little bit taboo to talk about sex yeah. toys. And yeah. I, I don't mind, like I've talked about sex toys on this podcast a couple of times already. Um, but I guess let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Um, how can we break that stigma or what are some suggestions that you can give for people, especially partnered people who maybe want to introduce these things into the bedroom? So my first advice for that would just to be just to talk about sex toys with your partner, like in general, not with like a goal or like a mindset part of it. Just be like, hey, have you ever thought about using sex toys? Or like, I found this really cool one the other day. Do you want to see it? Um, but having that first initial conversation without any goals in mind, without any, uh, but like, uh, especially before you're even in the bedroom, like talk about it with coffee, yeah. <laughs> make it a really normal, like you're talking about the weather, um, mm -hmm. because then it takes a lot of pressure off the other person of feeling like they have to say yes, or like not really knowing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's my, that's my biggest advice with like bringing sex toys in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. um and then just kind of like if they're like yeah I've thought about doing sex toys I'm glad you brought it up do kind of like a, I'll show you mine if you show me yours like make mm -hmm. a wish list on your favorite like small shop 
um, and then just exchange phones or computers and be like, these are the things that I kind of want to bring in the bedroom. What are the ones that you want to bring into the bedroom? And sometimes you have an overlap and it's easy to find one. <laughs> if only there was an app where you could swipe on sex toys, you and your partner. Could right. Swipe, and then when y'all match on one, it tells you both of you want this one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Please don't give me another project to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of would help introduce the conversation a little bit better I feel because yeah Yeah, it would (laughs) um another thing that I've done is I've actually gone to the store with a partner and we just kind of like walked together and we just like hey what do you think about this okay what do you think about that and then that just kind of helped find some common ground as to what is something that we would both enjoy Um, oh for sure yeah yeah it was a little awkward. I will not, I will admit that it was a little awkward at first, but then you kind of turn it into a silly thing though. And then you start laughing and then it just, it releases the tension and the, the anxiety behind it almost. Mm -hmm. I felt like, you know, we joked about it and it kind of, yeah, we eased into it and, and it was, it was a great experience. And, um, I know that in the future, if I ever have to, that's probably, I don't want to say a technique, but that's probably how I would approach it just because, and I know that every experience is different, but that was a good experience. So I know that that's something I would want to do later on if I ever had to do that again. Oh, for sure. And I think it's really important to like feel a sex toy and like turn it on before you buy it. And for a lot of people, that's not really an option, especially if you don't have like a um, small boutique type, um, sex shot around you (laughs) um but it's really helpful because sometimes you get a butt plug in the mail and you're like that's (laughs) way too small or big (laughs) like that's either a goal or trash (laughs) (laughs) which now that reminds me of uh something else you posted about remember that with anal play you always got to have a base always got to have yes always have a base or always have a loop because with beads you don't really have a base you have a loop at the end um please don't shove that up your ass (laughs) (laughs) so my uh my sister and my brother-in-law both work in healthcare um my brother-in-law specifically he works in radiology and he will always come and tell us all these stories of all these things that people have shoved up their anus and then they're having to take them out. And like some things, you know, make sense because they're smaller. And then you hear some other crazy things like a can of hairspray. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, obviously there's no base there because it's straight, straight cylinder. So it gets. Yeah. The one I yeah. really don't get are light bulbs. Um, and that's not, that's not a challenge for anybody. I want to make no. this really clear. Um, <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> but just why? There, if you want glass up your ass, I get it. There's some great dildos and butt plugs specifically made of like blown glass that are body safe, but um, no light bulbs. <laughs> that a thing? I guess I didn't really, think, really make that it connection. Like I, I know that there's glass dildos. I've seen them before, but I guess I never really made the connection that it's because people like that feeling of, I guess, cool glass. Is well, that what it so is? It could. I mean, I don't, I've never stuck a light bulb up my butt. Um, so. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> but that's the one I hear of a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I've heard that one several times too. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't like from a sex educator perspective and also somebody in the kink world, it's just like, I don't get how that's safe or sane, <laughs> obviously consensual most of the time. Uh, but like, I, um, no. Yeah, Mm-mm. it could just <laughs> quickly. You don't, you don't want that up your butt. <laughs> no, 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 we don't. <laughs> so I had my listeners submit some questions, and I kind of okay. went through them, and I picked a few out um, that I figured maybe we could ask you and see if you have some insight. There were a lot. There was a lot of stuff in those questions. You guys submit some crazy questions. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I'm gonna go through. Them. Well, some of them I was like, Sh-, like this has nothing to do with. Besides the point. Anyway, I digress. No, but- I want to hear those. <laughs> like- <laughs> no, I think like some of them, some people were just trying not really get educated on stuff like this. I just wanted to start a conversation, mm-hmm. like a kinky conversation. I was like, we're not going down that path. We're, we're here to educate today. Okay. Hey, I can educate on kink. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. No, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, no. If it was like a, a, like a question where they were, you know, asking about that, but just the way things were phrased, it was like, 
I'm thinking of one specifically. It was like, um, is eating eating pussy too much a bad thing for me? And I was like, why would it? Like, why would you even ask that question? I I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too being too judgy, but it's like I don't understand where that question comes from. Like, yeah, no, what's really interesting is like, I'll get questions, obviously, (laughs) on my TikTok a lot. Um, And it's really easy to tell the ones that just want me to talk about their fetish. And then that obviously like plays into like what they need or want or their kink. I can't say it's a fetish because those two things are different. Um, Which we will come back to that now that you said that. I do want to know the difference. We'll we'll circle back, but continue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So it's really interesting because like somebody will be like, how are your feet ticklish? (laughs) And I'll get like, so how do you feel about, um, foot play? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to answer those because literally you're, you're using. Right. right. And there were a lot of like, can y'all both share your favorite positions? It's like, Hey, I don't think there's anything knocking about that because that's like normal dinner conversation for me. (laughs) Okay. Well, I, you know, when this is your profession, I guess that makes sense. No, I mean, I do get a lot of that. And I get a lot of people asking about like personal sex questions of like, you know, how do threesomes work? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to speak from personal experience, but I'll talk (laughs) about it in like a setting. (laughs) Well, I just, I have, I walk this very fine line of being open and and being able like being willing to talk about and educate or whatever but then the minute that I start to feel I guess objectified that's when I'm like oh no we got to reel it back in because we're going down the wrong path you know Mm -hmm. and so that's why I'm like "Mm, some of these questions I'm gonna not touch on right now (laughs) yeah no I totally get it it's interesting like having a whole platform where you talk about sex but like you don't really share anything personal like ever like I'm I feel like I'm just a face that educates on the internet and I like I don't I don't talk about my personal life <laughs> yeah it's interesting oh but um kink, kink and, and fetish. fetish yeah okay so kink is an object an act uh, whatever that um is you like to have during activities and things with kink don't even have to have anything to do with sex like for some people spanking is a kink and they don't have sex at the end of it (laughs) um and then fetish the way that it's different is a fetish is something that you have to have in order to like achieve orgasm kink you don't have to have and I use like to use the sprinkle analogy that um if ice cream is sex it's nice to have sprinkles sometimes if you like sprinkles that's great but you don't have to have the sprinkles to eat the ice cream if you had a fetish then that would be like your cone like you have to have your ice cream in an object in a cone to eat the ice cream okay that's a great way to put it um okay question number one Mm -hmm. how can we get the spark back in sex after years of marriage? I didn't say how long they've been married. Just, I guess they've gone through a little dry spell. How can we get the spark back? Yeah. Um, So I think throughout the um, pandemic, this has been an issue for a lot of people um, because life is extremely stressful right now for a lot. Um, Work is totally different. The world has absolutely 100% changed. So those intimate moments are far and few in between because we're so wrapped up in like the world right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's okay first, like give yourself some grace, but then kind of revert back of like, well, when things were really, really hot and heavy, what were we doing? You're probably going on dates, which you're not doing anymore. Um, But if you like go on dates and I'm not talking about like just going out to eat with your significant other, I mean like really intentionally like getting dressed up, like having things on that, you know, your partner likes, like taking a really good shower. And I'm a big component of like the longer it takes you to get ready, the better night you're going to (laughs) have. So you're on something. You're right. Yeah. So even if it includes like masturbating, like that's a part of getting ready. (laughs) Agreed. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, I think people need to be reconnecting and like going on dates and thinking back of like what, what we used to do and maybe adding new things. So part of that date could be like going to a sex shop or like casually talking about sex or what have you. And by the end of the night, you're going to have that intimacy to want to reconnect with your person. Mm -hmm. And I'm 
also a huge believer in the more you do it, the more you will do it. Because when you start having sex, you're like, oh my God, this is so great. I missed it so much. Fucking just keep doing it. Keep having sex. (laughs) You're going to want it. A lot of my followers are uh, moms. And Mm -hmm. this one kind of fell along the same line. But a lot of them had similar question, like how to get the spark back after having a baby or after having so many kids or Mm-hmm. when you're so busy being a mom that you barely have time for it um those kinds of things but I think some of the stuff that you said also applies here and that like if it's we're talking about moms specifically um yeah and then I also heard from another um sex coach that and you kind of mentioned this too when you so we had so much stuff going on right now is that we, you need to remove some of that stimulation that is kind of like holding you back mm-hmm. which is similar to what you said you know you know we're not going out. We're not getting dressed up. We're not going on dates. Um, I feel like we're now starting to slowly get back to that. Um, but yeah, yeah. Kind of like think I mean, about. I'm a mom too. I get it. I have three kids. I have a seven-year-old and then three-year-old twins. So. Three-year-old twins. Oh, my Lanta. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally get it. And yeah. um, after having our, especially our first, I was like, I'm just a mom. I'm not even like a partner anymore. Like I don't feel like a person and it's really, really easy to fall in that like mommy mode 24 seven all the time, Mm -hmm. because now you have this little human (laughs) that you have to take care of and sucks on your teeth day and day, like day in and day out. Like I get it. Um, but it's really important to be able to clear the living room at the end of the night once the kid goes to bed and put away the toys you don't even see anything that would make you in mommy mode Mm -hmm. and give your partner some extra attention or just tell them like I feel like a mom all the time and I don't like how it's becoming because I feel like I'm losing myself those are really big words and your partner should be listening to those um yeah i those are really it. big words, but it's also, you know, like a lot of vulnerability there to oh, open for up sure. and say that and admit that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So being able to just, when the kid goes to bed, stop doing anything that has to do with the child, which is really hard because even when you're folding laundry, you're folding little baby socks. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> and you're always going to find a GI Joe in your bed at the end of the <laughs> night. Cause that's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but being but... able to just be like, I am still a sexy person. I am still worthy of love. I'm still worthy of like all of these things that have nothing to do with parenthood. Um, is important and remember that you're you're a person before you're a mom yeah well this kind of leads into that next question that someone submitted it's um how to feel more confident when having sex when you feel so insecure about your body and I can kind of relate to that one um because I used to be extremely overweight and um so that was you know that made me insecure with my body. But then even after I lost the weight, well, now I have all this loose skin. So that even I lost the weight, but I'm still insecure about my body. And I feel like, especially people who, cause you know, my platform is a lot about like fitness and weight loss. Um, so I feel like a lot of people, I can relate to a lot of those people who have those questions. Um, and I mean, I have my answer, but I'd like to hear your perspective on this. Yeah, I mean, I think that ties a lot into like even, if you haven't had like a major body transformation, it ties a lot about like into being a mom too, because your body goes Mm -hmm. through a lot in nine months and it's not going to take nine, like it's going to take more than nine months to get it. Like going to grow back to normal and snapback culture is like such fucking bullshit. It is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But again, it's like giving yourself that grace. And if you're at the end of the day, you're just like, oh my God, I still fucking hate my body. I cannot stand any side of it my two biggest pieces of advice is just stand in front of the mirror don't pick yourself apart but actually look at your body understand that you might not like it right now that's okay as long as you're not doing really unhealthy things to change it you need to come at peace with your body before you even start to change it Mm -hmm. you need to be able to look at it and say oh my gosh I have stretch marks on my stomach I really don't enjoy that, but there's other aspects of me that I really love. So there's that one. But the other one is just to understand like, you're not your type and that's okay. You don't have to like your body. You don't have to enjoy every aspect of it. You're not your type. 
you wouldn't pick yourself up at a bar you wouldn't swipe left or right I don't know which way you swipe (laughs) (laughs) if you saw yourself but you're other people's type and that's what matters because at the end of the day you're not really having sex with yourself you're having sex with somebody else who thinks that you're the hottest shit in the world Mm -hmm. and you're fucking up there with Beyonce (laughs) yeah yeah just understand you're not your type you don't have to be your type and once you come to that like body neutrality and body acceptance everything else is going to fall in line right which is those are two terms that I've started using more of is body acceptance and body neutrality because Mm -hmm. body positivity you know is a big thing um (laughs) your face right there tells me everything but then you know like when I first when I first heard the term body acceptance it was just like a libel moment and I was like yes like that's really what it should be just accepting your body the way it is and for me I did what you said the first part so I would just honestly I would just start looking at myself in the mirror all the time and Mm -hmm. not in a conceited way but more in a like this is normal get used to it this is what I look like and and it just kind of became normal. I just kind of accepted my body for the way it is with all of its scars, with all of its stretch marks, with all the cellulite. It is just, this is my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I would go to sleep in my underwear. So when I wake up and I see myself in the mirror, I'm in my underwear. If I'm doing my hair, my makeup, I'm in my underwear. So I'm constantly seeing the way that my body moves and yeah. it just, yeah, it helped me accept that this is, this is what I look like. And it's not, a. um, yeah, it just doesn't make me self-conscious anymore the way that I used to. So that that's how I, I don't want to say fixed it, but that's kind of like what I did to help me with that. Yeah, because I don't think it fixes it, but it's definitely the first step to just see your body because I think we cover up when we're not comfortable with ourselves. Like mm-hmm. we want to cover up, we want to like hide from not only the world and other people seeing us, but we want to hide from ourselves. So sometimes we forget of how our body actually looks versus what we think it looks like. Yeah, yeah. And then also I just started taking sexy pictures of myself for for myself, not like for other people, you know? Like just just for me. Yeah, so do boudoir. Like it's it's basically my job now to do boudoir. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it didn't start like that. It started because like I felt like I was just mom and nothing else and I feel like I really lost that like sense of sexiness with myself so I was like I'm just gonna book a boudoir session and I realized that like what I see in the mirror I'm seeing myself slunched over I'm seeing myself at the end of the day after I had like eight tacos <laughs> so I'm obviously not gonna like what I see and I'm gonna be frustrated with myself of like oh my god you used to be so fit like what is up with you now mm-hmm. but the boudoir pictures are what my partner sees and what the world sees like that is what that's what's more important than my own perception of my body which sounds mm-hmm. really fucked up but it's true especially if you're coming from somebody who had an eating disorder major body dysmorphia to realize that like my opinion doesn't matter about myself <laughs> yeah, really gives yourself a lot of leeway of like, you know what, they can think I'm hot as shit and I'm going to trust them more than my own opinion. Mm-hmm. My yeah. own opinion has not served me well yeah. for the past 20 years. <laughs> well, we're our own worst critics. So, you know, that makes are. Um, and then when I was going through therapy, one of the things that I really, really worked on is loving and accepting myself outside of what my body looks like and celebrating mm-hmm. the other parts of me that have nothing to do with my, my body and my appearance. Um, and so that also kind of helped raise my confidence up. Um, mm-hmm. People always talk about positive offer, uh, uh, affirmations, which, I mean, I think I'm, they're great. I'm not going to knock positive affirmations, passive positive affirmations. Um, but I, I can't remember the terminology we used in therapy at the time, but it was kind of like not affirmations, not like wishes of like what I wanted, but more of like a, like a personal celebration of who you are and kind oh, yeah. of just build yourself up. Um, mm-hmm. So that's something that I still always, you know, I'm like, you don't want to say like, oh, I'm going to be hot one day. No, like I'm hot now. Like, look at me, you know, yeah. speak in the now, not like in the future in a wishful way. Yeah, absolutely. Like think that like your body is okay right now. Not when you lose 15 pounds or have more toned arms, like it's good right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, no. My first, my first, the first episode of my podcast, I touched a lot on that and how, you know, I was so insecure because I was overweight. Well, okay, let me fix that. Let me, let me lose weight. Okay. Well, I lost the weight, but now I'm still insecure about my body because I've had a little loose skin. All right. So yeah. let me fix that. So I got a tummy tuck. Well, now I'm still insecure because now I have these scars and now like I look so different. And so that, at that point, that's when I was like, okay, no, like this, this is a deeper issue than just my body there's mm-hmm. something here like in my mind and in my heart that I need to fix and so I always tell women that too like you know yeah you should love your body or you should accept your body and I don't want to say love but you should accept it but you also need to look look at and celebrate the other things that make you you yeah absolutely um let's see uh next one how can I get my girlfriend to relax enough to let me go down on her good question Um, I mean, like I have products I can like pitch for that. (laughs) Um, but I think having like an open and honest conversation with your girlfriend about like, what, what, what do you not like about me going down on you? Are you self-conscious about like pubic hair, which you shouldn't be. Everybody has pubic hair unless you had like, like laser Laser hair. (laughs) (laughs) Are you nervous about the way your spells? Because you shouldn't be vaginas aren't supposed to smell like ocean breeze like (laughs) they're supposed to smell like pussy (laughs) um are you nervous about like the way you taste because you shouldn't be like there's all these things that go into somebody going down on you you can start with like a barrier so like a dental dam or something like laurels which is like a wearable dental dam what is Um, a dental dam let's stop there because I, I keep hearing that term and I don't know what that is a dental dam is um basically it's a latex sheet that it's a square latex sheet that goes on your vulva so somebody can perform oral sex um that's basically just all it is um it's not a way to prevent pregnancy it's strictly for um sensory and sti prevention um yeah okay got it yeah i mean like i i I'm very, very queer. So like, I feel like dental dams are very normalized in like that world. Um, But I think it's really, yeah, a lot of people just don't know that there's an option for like a barrier for oral sex. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, I think people know that you can use condoms, like, you know, someone with a penis has one and you can use that as a barrier (laughs) there. But I guess I never really thought about it you know, with people who have vaginas, like, what would you use? That yeah. And there's also like finger condoms and there's, you know, vaginal condoms. There's like, oh, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we tend to overlook because they're not really mainstream and no like major company has like gotten a hold of the market like Trojan has, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, they're, they're out there. You just have yeah. to special order them. <laughs> so then just kind of have the conversation about like, why, what's the hesitancy there? Yeah, and talk about it in a very casual zone, like when you're having dinner or with coffee or like and during the commercial break of like, there's no goal involved. I just want to know why are you super self-conscious and how can, how can we over, how can we overcome this? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Be really honest, like this is something that I want. I want to do for you. This turns me on. I know it feels good for other people. So how would you feel about guiding me through it? Like really talk to me like I'm stupid and give me like a 101 of your clitoris and the way that your vulva likes to be touched. Next one. Um, How can I orgasm when my boyfriend is on top or like missionary, I guess. I guess she has trouble having an orgasm in that position. Mm Mm-hmm. So do you have tips for, for that? Yeah. So um, first advice is most vulva owners don't orgasm um, from penetration alone. Um, it's pretty rare, <laughs> actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't, don't feel bad because it just has everything to do with like where your clitoris is positioned on your body. Sometimes it's higher. And if it's lower, then you have a greater chance of having a vaginal orgasm. So if you're not one of the people who have a clitoris that's pretty low and it's pretty high set, um, prop your hips up on pillows. 
this way while they're on top because this way when your hips are propped up you're gonna elongate your vagina more and you'll be able to reach that a spot that I was talking about earlier and you can also stimulate your clitoris in this position because it'll be easier to get to basically if your legs are like in a frog position Mm -hmm. um so hips propped up don't be afraid to touch your clit (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and last one because like we kind of touched on all the other ones in a way um how can i increase my libido and this was from a girl so she i guess she doesn't feel like she wants to have sex as much as other women so like how can she increase that or work on that or yeah yeah so it's okay to have more of a um not like a spontaneous sexual desire but a what is it um spontaneous and responsive it's okay to have like a responsive sexual desire that's cool um and just accept that you know like I need to have more like intimacy and I need to have more I like to say it's like baking cookies people with um, responsive desire need to like bake the cookies see the cookies smell the cookies before they actually want to consume the cookies which is sex um so accepting that like you have a responsive desire and that's okay a lot of people do but if you want to increase the thought of sex masturbate more <laughs> mm-hmm. even when you're just like mm, I could probably go without just try it for a second and if you're not into it put the vibrator up and it's fine um, also just try to have conversations about sex more often um, and get your hormones checked because they change throughout your life and yeah throughout your cycle too so all right that's all I have on my agenda but the floor is open so if there's anything that you want to talk about or that you know you would like to share um I'd be open to hearing more and I'm sure our listeners would be too I I I mean there's so much that goes into sex (laughs) (laughs) well yeah you created a whole business out of it (laughs) (laughs) um so I don't I don't know what I would want to like tell people I think I would just want to tell and start the conversation of like sex is now we've evolved sex is now a dinner time conversation um it used to be that we don't talk about money politics religion or sex mm-hmm. at dinner parties and that has all drastically changed it's yeah. changed um and once you like start those conversations you're going to take away the stigma that society has put on us for years of like sex is bad you shouldn't touch your clitoris like all of these things that just just simply are not true um so yeah just understanding that sex is a normal thing to talk about sex is a normal thing to do as long as everybody is like safe and happy and consensual then fucking do what you like yeah no and that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on here because I feel like we do need to be more open about sex and talking about sex and having these conversations um like the whole dental damn thing you know I didn't know what it was because people don't talk about it but oh yeah people talked about these things more than we would be way more educated um and honestly like talking to our kids about sex not like you know our little three-year-olds about sex I mean you could I guess you know the anatomy of it the anatomy of it Yeah, I know. No, I have three-year-olds and they understand what consent is. Um, The way that we talked about consent with them was through tickling. We're like, oh, mommy's going to tickle you. And then once they said stop, I'm like, okay, I'll stop. That's good. Thank you for telling me. And uh, teaching them that like, no is a safe thing to say. And if somebody is not hearing you well enough, like you say no louder and pitch a Mm -hmm. fucking bit about it and then tell somebody that they didn't respect your no right um but yeah having conversations even from the age of three about consent which has a lot to do about sex and calling their anatomy of what it is it's a penis it's not it's not a dingle or whatever people yeah, call, whatever it. We call it yeah yeah I don't even know <laughs> yeah but having like those conversations with your kids and hopefully we're not going to be making these um generations that I feel like millennials fell into of like you know we're so repressed (laughs) well yeah and that's something that I've done with my son and through so I have a 16 year old son and as he's gotten older the conversation has changed but we still talk about it because I didn't want it to be 
like uh, something that we don't talk about, something that we just, you know, hide under the rug and then it's not a thing. Yeah. Because I was, I was a pregnant teen. I had him when I was my senior year of high school. Um, mm-hmm. So, but in my family, when I was growing up, we didn't talk about sex. It like, you don't even like nothing, you know? And so it's not that I wasn't educated about what sex is. I just, I was so repressed and so sheltered that I think that contributed to me becoming a, a teen mom. Um, oh, and, sure. and yeah, and I don't want my son to go down that path. So we do talk about it. We talk about the fact that I'm a teen, that I was a teen mother, but then we also talk about sex. We talk about consent, um, mm-hmm. you know, with him, he's a boy. So, you know, I was like, if a girl tells you to stop, if a, if a girl, even if she just the look on her face says, stop, you stop. Mm-hmm you know? And so we do have a lot of those conversations and it all stems from, from doing things like this, where we just have the conversations, we put them out and we don't make it such a taboo subject. Yeah, absolutely not. And I mean, the conversation has changed throughout the years. It goes from like just anatomy and what things Mm -hmm. are to like the mechanics of things, Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want them to think that, you know, masturbating is wrong and dirty and like, oh my God, there's, something came out of my penis and I have no idea what it is <laughs> yeah you want to have like those mechanic conversations like while they're going through puberty and not at the end of it when they're just like mom I think something's wrong with me <laughs> mm-hmm. all right well thank you Madeline for coming on the show today tell everyone where they can find you pitch all your stuff um okay so you can find me on Instagram at the period nude period attitude um, and on TikTok, which is, what is it? It's um, the period attitude period talk. Cause I couldn't have nude in my handle. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's why it's different. <laughs> I couldn't have nude in there. Um, and then, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but not that active. I need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my website, the and that's where you can um, find info about the vampire shot class and how to book a session with me um, and see uh, me in lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> so when you say book a session, do you do like one? one out like you and the person or do you do like partner situations yeah so I do um one-on-ones and I um do uh couples too oh I don't do well I mean like I in my private life I do but not right. for work <laughs> yeah <laughs> um I have uh sessions with intimacy coaching sessions with um couples and singles um yeah you don't have to be in a relationship to want to know more about sex and um how to approach your body or something else is well thank you so much all right guys we'll see you next week